0: As we enter into this period of formal sitting meditation, as we enter into any day of practice, it can be helpful to notice the attitude to which we're approaching. Whether our attitude carries within it seeds of greed, aversion, delusion, or whether the attitude is that of simply wanting to see things as they are. An attitude that invites receptivity, openness, acceptance, Many times, the way in which we're approaching the practice has within it greed, aversion, and delusion. If it's not seen, we simply plant seeds of greed, aversion, and delusion. We find it greed in our wanting, striving, pushing, forcing. We find aversion, too, becomes very tiring. Trying to block out experience, get rid of, not wanting. And sometimes we practice in a way that we want to disconnect, disengage, which will only lead to further confusion, doesn't lead to true wisdom. It's very helpful to notice any of these tendencies are there. And in the scene of not to be judgmental, harsh, perhaps in the scene of it simply lets go, we see the leaning forward, the anticipation, and in that recognition, it's like, oh, we don't need to do this. There's a settling back. In this way, whatever our attitude is becomes instructive, we learn from. It helps us to establish an attitude that is helpful, that is useful. So checking, the very stance in which we're sitting here, Sometimes it's reflected in the body. Sometimes there's a sense of putting on the cloak of meditation, something we do. Just noticing if there's a tightness with that. And seeing of the tightness, is there a relaxation? Relaxing both body and mind as best we can. It can be a sense of having climbed up to the top of the mountain and then just sitting there. And knowing that relaxing is happening. Sometimes awareness of the facial muscles will reveal to us if there's levels of holding, tightness. Just noticing. Relaxing into presence. Receiving this moment as it is. Life's left lessons arriving on our doorstep to be understood. This body, its sensations. Being able to know it. To know the nature of this body. Heat, pressure, tightness. this mind, awareness of the activities of mind, the moods of the mind, the states of mind that Rebecca spoke of yesterday. seeing how the mind is at times coloured or has an atmosphere fear anger joy contentment Many times, the experience in this moment will be the awareness of thinking, thoughts arising, a natural process. Just as the ears hear, the eyes see, the mind thinks. Can we recognize this, to see thought as thought, a natural process? There's often the tendency to identify with these thoughts to become these thoughts. Many times we find ourselves immersed in a thought world where there's such deep involvement that everything else disappears. We live in a fantasy, a memory. We live in some plan for the future. Totally taken up this thought And become involved with it. Just needing to recognize the awareness of thinking mind. Noticing the difference between being lost in the thought and knowing that thinking is occurring. It may flip back and forth. Sense of being involved and then awareness of thinking. Being involved, awareness of thinking. Each moment that there is mindfulness is a moment of receiving data. when there becomes moments of mindfulness stringing together we find through each of these moments of receiving data it grows into information as information grows it becomes understanding paying attention to thought without rejecting it, but really wanting to understand what is happening here. We begin to see cause and effect. We begin to see how there can be a thought in the mind, a thought of anger, and it has An effect. There may be a great volatility in the mind. The body may become tense. Or maybe there's a thought of fear. We keep thinking about something horrible about to happen. We can see that the mind state of fear begins to accelerate. Strengthen. We pay attention and we come to understand this, to see this. When there's enough information, wisdom comes forth. Wisdom understands. We don't need to do this. It's not useful. It's not helpful. It's not from the place of aversion, not wanting, but through understanding. Many times these thoughts will have a strong pull, deeply habituated something that there's a complete enchantment with. We meet it with interest. What's so compelling? What's happening here? (coughs) It can be a joyful interest. Noticing if in that interest that there tends to be a judgment. Oh, look at here you go again. <laughs> or is it, wow, look at this. What's so compelling, this thought that keeps replaying itself over and over, and we don't even like it. You know, it's not pleasant, it's unpleasant. Wow, look. Maybe drop into an energetic sense. Feel the pull. You know, let it be revealed what the pull is towards. It might be some pleasantness. Or, you know, self-righteousness can have this um, sense of puffing oneself up. You know, it can be a pull to that, whatever it is. Let it reveal itself. This interest brings a steadiness. Just that willingness to look. With a compelling story to know the components, the mind state that's present, the thoughts that feed it, the impact of the thoughts. Noticing if within this story there's the weaving of I am. Noticing the effect where it's I am my sadness or when it's just sadness. if we find the stories so compelling there's just a sense of getting sucked into it we can do turning the attention to some other aspect of experience letting there come a balance back to the mind or we can work Recognizing if the story seems to come out of a state of fear. Recognizing the fear, opening to it for a moment. And then noticing a more neutral aspect of experience for a moment, such as the breath such as hearing the body posture, resting the mind there for a moment, and then returning the attention to the fear. Alternating between what's difficult and what's neutral. Helps to bring a steadiness to in the face of and not be just pulled into, identified with the experience. All aspects of experience to be known, no part left out. Before I open it up to questions this morning, I wanted to uh, just kind of review a little bit about the eight precepts. Annie spoke about these precepts on our opening night. And for some of you, it may have been new or just settling into the retreat, you may have not been quite ready to take the eight precepts. And so just by way of invitation for those of you who like uh, this evening, We will once again be chanting the precepts, and if you feel to take eight precepts, this is an opportunity. Of course, you can do this any day where you can uh, just chant to yourself the eight precepts. But I wanted just to speak a little bit more about them in case they are new to you. I guess first to begin with, why would we even do this? Um, It can be just a level of greater simplicity that, you know, I know for myself when I've taken eight precepts, you know, after the midday meal, then life gets pretty simple. One sits and walks, sits and walks, and maybe has a cup of tea or a glass of juice at some point. And... One of the things it revealed to me was just how much, like in the morning, my mind could obsess with food. What's for lunch? Will I like it? Will I get enough? You know, just how many thoughts there were. And suddenly that was just gone. And, you know, it was just another level of simplicity. It's a way of looking to see What's extra? What can be let go of? And I really want to emphasize in speaking about these eight precepts that if you decide to do it, that it doesn't make you better than anyone else or more of a renunciate. Because we all have different needs. For some people, to not have anything after the midday meal would be too much for the body, too much for the energy system. And it's really about looking for ourselves to see what for us is extra. Can we let go of it? It's using the container, and you know, just a slightly different way of having um, things that we're not doing that the mind might bump up against, which we can learn from, reflect something back to us. So just to see whether in your body-mind experience, it makes sense to work you know, in a slightly different way. So that sixth precept is to undertake the precept to refrain from eating at the wrong time, of which Annie mentioned this is after the midday meal. So if you're taking this precept after lunch, uh, there's no longer taking of solid food. So if it's a clear liquid... It's fine. If it's clear juice, it's fine. And there will be or should be juice put out for all of those who are on eight precepts. Some people take medication. Medication is okay to take. You know, some of it may need to be taken in the evening. Sometimes food needs to be taken with that medication. So then it's really seeing okay, maybe a banana is what needs to be eaten with that medication. It might start to turn into later in our mind, well, with my banana, I think I need to have some cereal and milk and yogurt. And then we see there's a great proliferation. It's really just looking at what's really needed here. So the next precept is to undertake the precept to refrain from dancing, singing, music, going to shows, wearing garlands, and beautifying myself with perfumes and cosmetics. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but it's, um, you know, there's interesting levels to the precept. They're not black and white. You know, I was on precepts, or a precepts, and then one day noticed that I really liked for my socks to match my outfit. I'd never been aware of it, you know, and so it was just seeing, you know, here was a level of beautifying oneself, adorning oneself, looking, it's interesting. I mean, I love the precepts as a basis of investigation, as a basis of seeing what's the intention, the motivation behind what I do. And the eighth precept is to undertake the precept to refrain from using high and luxurious seats and beds. As Annie mentioned, your beds have been offered to you. <laughs> we have new beds, <laughs> um, but it's to see. You know, it's this whole thing around comfort that we have. You know, that it's like just uh, I've watched at times. You know, going for the most comfortable seat putting pillows here and there and that's the you know form of making it luxurious just noticing you know and so can we really renounce and just work with it may be that we have a uh, you know certain back pain back injury and to you know take away the cushion completely it's just going to injure the back doesn't seem like there's much point in that to me But it's really when something's done, you know, we keep doing things from the perspective of wanting more comfort, more pleasure. That's what we need to notice. So, these, you can take these precepts for the remainder of the retreat. That's one way to do it. Another way is to take the precepts on what's called observance days. And these are days of the month according to the moon's activities that in countries, traditional Buddhist countries, uh, many people would go to the monastery and practice for that day. And they would also undertake, these are lay people going, undertaking for a day to live by the eight precepts. So for one day, not eating after the midday meal it's a way of just you know simplifying for that day it's also possible that we may decide to take them and then you know we discover we have hypoglycemia you know that the, the energy system really can't handle it that's okay you can shift you know it's not like you undertake this and you are chained to it forever you know we're using it as exploration i think the kitchen does need to know if we are, for periods of time, doing the eight precepts so that they can put out tea accordingly. So just to let the kitchen know. Mm. Anything else with that? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. (laughs) Where's the line? (laughs) There is no distinctive line. What we find is in different traditions, there's different allowables. And it has been in the Thai forest tradition, as it has come to the West, and I'm not quite sure if it's also true in Thailand, that cheese, because it was made from certain products, was an allowable. And... Uh, I think mm, I th- in, 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 from the Thai tradition, I think cheese and chocolate were both allowables. <laughs> What's that? Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. <laughs> That's right, it is true. It's dark chocolate without the milk. <laughs> what to say? Okay. So, um, hmm. I never found it a healthy diet. (laughs) I never found what it did for me so helpful. But, you know, if, I would say, if it's placed on the eight precept table, you can consider it an allowable, and then you can see for yourself whether it really fits to do that. You know, one of the things for me, too, is, is, um, if I sat all afternoon thinking about will there be cheese, will there be chocolate? <laughs> I mean, you work with that. That's what comes up. That, yeah. And it, I, I think this to me, it just does point to the fact that there is no clear line, and that what is really useful is looking at what's happening in the mind. What's the underlying intention, motivation? Um, Yeah, and let that teach you. Yeah. Yes? Uh, A note. Actually, I think what they're going to do is to put a sign up and say, if you're planning to take the eight precepts, please tick here. And then, you know, should that change for you, write a note and let them know. Yes. my mouth, head. Mhm. So mm-hmm. also Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I find myself on the wall. I have a moon sort or of a dog. And instead of saying it, sit there's a line for itself. Mm-hmm. I guess there's really nothing to do except sort of go with it until it stops. It calms down. I think it's part mm-hmm. of busy mind. That seems to be the you know m- way it is for some people, especially if we 've had a lot of input from music uh, and you know again it's really looking at the relationship to it as it arises that it's arising out of conditions, part of those conditions being our world is you know filled with music, and so it's reflected you know it comes back, noticing how you 're relating to that is there judgment it shouldn 't be this way, not wanting or liking. Know that noticing where that pull to hum along to become involved with comes in and just seeing so so really being interested in this because that brings that interest brings a freshness of mind to it. What can happen is it gets perpetuated by roteness of mind by not seeing it clearly, by just letting it play, 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 play. It's not that you're stopping it. With mindfulness, but that you're recognizing it and then you're, you're seeing if it's being fed or not being fed. Another interesting aspect of it, which I've heard, you know, it's not so much been in my own experience, but I've heard that people will say that recognizing the mood in the mind can be really helpful because you know it's like on a happy day you get a happy tune uh, on a sad day you get a sad tune and so you, by paying attention to what's there with that can really bring one into just the knowing of the totality of that experience okay yes chanting is fine yeah, it's not. It's again. It's intention. What's the intention? It's not done as a way of entertaining oneself through melody, and if it is, maybe you want to renounce your chanting. But mo you know, <laughs> for, I think for the most part, when we chant, we're aligning our hearts with something wholesome. I mean, these are the chants that we're offering, and it's it's the turning the mind towards that which is wholesome. So it's not done by way of amusement. It's done, you know, from a wholesome motivation. Is there something else with that? You still, yeah. Uh Uh Uh-huh. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. In we're using these precepts. I'm I'm really speaking about these precepts here from a place of how we're working on this retreat. And that in this retreat we all you know, we all have different occupations, we come from different uh ways of life, different walks of life, you know, so much different conditioning so many different things we might do in life. And in being here, we're really just simplifying as a way to understand more clearly, or to see more clearly, the workings of the mind. And so that's the perspective perspective of which we're doing this. This isn't a statement that classical music is unwholesome. It's in no way meant to say that. What it may direct you towards is just a deepening understanding of what's being touched, where that's coming from. When you, it's like being, uh, taking any career in life, there can be uh, mixed motivations. Some of it may be wholesome. Sometimes we create our music out of wanting to enhance a sense of self wanting to strengthen some unwholesome quality. And so it will help us to see if there's underlying things there. But it's not a statement about the music in itself. Because that can come from very different places. Yeah. Yes. Mhm. 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 Yeah. It's to notice what happens as we become aware of thinking, and that is one experience. It's already past. It finishes. Um. But we can't. There, there is. Actually, I want to do a very short exercise. I promise I'll just be a couple of minutes. (laughs) I'm running a little bit over. But just a very short exercise because I think we can be more aware of thinking than we realize. So just for a moment, maybe sit with your eyes closed. And I want you to think. And I want you to think without having a break between thoughts. And it doesn't matter what the thought is. It can be totally gibberish. You can think about what you're wearing. (laughs) You can think about what's happening. You can think about anything. Just keep thinking. And see if, as you're thinking, there is an awareness of thinking. That awareness is not involved in the thought. It's just knowing. But keep thinking. Keep the thoughts going. Keep perpetuating them. It's their awareness, their knowing. Knowing that's not involved. You can stop thinking. (laughs) (laughs) So really just to know with thoughts. There's a couple of really common experiences. The awareness of thinking happens and... The thought like everything else is subject to impermanence. It ceases, disappears. It's also possible the thought continues. Can we be aware of the thought without being involved in it? That you know it's very much like an old man sitting on a bench watching children play. You no, know, he's watching and watching these children, but he's not involved, he's not doing. So just that sense of awareness that this is occurring. And it will be different at different times. And it's just to see what happens. Sometimes we may notice in the recognition of thought, there's a um, can be a sense of subtly cutting off, pushing away, and that can just be noticed too. Okay, so another day of practice, a great blessing. May the blessings of the Dhamma shower upon you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.